Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Today, I'm going to be speaking to you about the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. And I want to say the very first thing to you, that Jesus is not mad at people. He's not mad at you. But Jesus comes to accept, to love, and minister this morning. And as we look into the scripture, I believe that God is going to be the healing balm of Gilead to us. I believe that he is going to be the opener of eyes so that we can see. And he's going to touch us in some very special ways. Amen. I want to say to you that Jesus is a good God. Some people get offended when they hear you say that. Why they would get offended at our Lord Jesus who only helped people and ministered to people and he showed who the Father was when he came to the earth and he demonstrated that. And you know, Psalms tells us, for the Lord is good. We say it every week just about, don't we? And his mercy endures forever. His mercy, not his vengeance, but his mercy endures forever for you and for me. Amen? The first place I want to look in the scripture this morning is out of Acts 10 and verse number 38. I want us to read this, and it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Can we read this together? Let's do that. You got your Bible out? Let's read it. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now, we, we need to let that sink down into our spirit. It's very important to understand and know why Jesus come. He said that God anointed Jesus. There's an anointing that makes Jesus different than anyone else. And there's an anointing of God that comes from Jesus on our lives that makes us different than anyone else. Did you know that? Well, you think you're better than anybody else. No, we think we're anointed and it makes us different than other people. You say, well, I don't feel anointing. I don't sense anointing. I would never know I'm anointed. Do you know what? The Bible says you have an unction, listen, from the Holy One, and you know all things. Well, that word unction means anointing. You have an anointing. Say, I have an anointing. Have an anointing. You have an anointing, and you know all things. Now, there have been times in my life, I, I've quoted that scripture many times, but I felt anything but in the know. 
You're not going to know everything, but you're going to know things that God wants to give you a glimpse of. He's going to drop into your heart some things for you to know. I'm talking about this is for people who walk with the Lord, who live for the Lord, and who have given their hearts and lives to the Lord. See, there's a a false thinking, a fallacy. uh, People think they can live anyway and come close to Jesus and be in the know. That they can have the power. That they can walk in the anointing. I'm going to tell you, that isn't true. Now, if we stumble and we mess up, we have forgiveness. We have the blood of Jesus to cleanse us when we confess it. And then we can get back in right standing with God. But if you live in sin, you, you never open your Bible, you never pray, you never try to develop that relationship with God, well... The anointing is going to be something that evades you. It it, it won't be there. But God has given each of us the anointing. And this anointing came from Jesus. That's how we can be anointed. Because we're heirs and joint heirs with God. Isn't that right? Okay. So Jesus was anointed. That means he was furnished with what was needed. It means to smear with oil. He had what he needed to minister to people. And I want you to look at what he used this anointing. He was Jesus of Nazareth. And he was anointed with the Holy Ghost. And you could say in our day, Holy Spirit. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, folks, is real. Some people, you know, they they want to go through religious Uh, wrote they want to have a religious quote experience but they don't want to encounter the Holy Spirit because it's scary how would I know that because that's exactly what I thought when I started hearing about the Holy Spirit I was afraid of it I was afraid of it because it was supernatural But the Holy Spirit is real. He's moving in the earth today and He wants to move in your life. He wants to do some things. And Jesus is ministering and it's going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit into your life. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And that means authority, ability. He has authority. He has ability to set us Free. He has anointing. He has authority to bring salvation into our lives. Deliverance into our lives. He's been anointed to do that. And we've got to hear it because it's the good news. It's not the bad news. It's the good news. It's glad tidings. That's what I'm telling you about this morning. God has glad tidings for the earth, and for his people. Amen? But Jesus went about, now listen to this, doing good. Well, you never know what God will do. Well, I'm going to tell you, you look at Jesus and you'll know what he will do because Jesus came to the earth to do the will of the Father, to manifest the will of the Father, and what we see him doing is what he'll do today. Now, you could be like me as you sat in here this morning. I did not know that Jesus was a good 
God in all ways, you say, well, I don't even know how you can think that way. I can think that way because of religious tradition. God's mad at you. He's going to get you. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's not God that gets you. You step out and you live a sinful life and do, you know, everything you want to do that's contrary and against God. It's not going to be God that does bad things. It's going to be the devil that's waiting there for you to open that door to him. And when he comes in, it's not pretty. And he doesn't play fair. The devil doesn't play fair. He'll get you at your weakest time. So it's God who does good. He's a worker of good. He did good. And he healed every person that he came in contact with that was, listen to this, oppressed of the devil. Where does oppression come from? Where stealing, killing, and destroying come from? The devil. And we need to get our theology straight on that because if we don't, we twist and warp the word and we don't even know what to think. But God sent Jesus to the earth and he went about doing good things for people. Not, you know, it's just not kicking people when they're down. Not saying you deserve that. But he came and he did good and he raised them up and he delivered them from the powers of hell. And he'll do the same for us today. Amen? This tells us, this is this man Jesus. This is what he will do. And this is what he wants to do in our life. Now that word oppressed is very interesting here. Those that were oppressed of the devil, that means that there was a sense of being weighted down in their life. There was a ruler, there was a potentate that was trying to rule over them, and it was Satan himself trying to work in the lives of people. But Jesus came on the scene, and he destroyed the works of darkness, and he was doing good things by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he let the people that were oppressed go free. Amen. Now I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn over here to Luke chapter number 4. In Luke 4, if you, you start at the beginning of that chapter, you see that Jesus uh, was in the wilderness he was in the wilderness and he came against many tests, temptations, the Bible says. He came against those temptations and it's very fascinating as you look at it, when he came to each temptation, he handled it in a particular way. We need to look at it. We need to understand it. And we need to do the same thing. Jesus came to a temptation. The devil was there. He was trying in every way he could to tempt Jesus. But Jesus would rise up every time. And he would say, it is written. And whatever the enemy threw at him, he didn't stand there and cry. He didn't stand there and do all kinds of other things. But he put the word of God in his mouth and he said, God said this and I'm saying it to you. 
And we need to do the same thing in our life. When temptations come, we need to put the Word of God in our mouth. We need to say it is written. We don't need to say what Grandma thought. We don't need to say what we think. We need to say it is written. When all that is within us is going against uh, uh, that thought about the Word of God. Well, it doesn't look like it. It's not working. Blah, blah, blah. You understand what I'm saying? That's when you say. You run over every bit of that and you say it is written. And Jesus showed us how to defeat the enemy. Here Jesus is. And I like it as we read in this particular scripture in verse 6. Luke 4, 6 in the Good News Bible. Satan said this to Jesus. All this power... And all this wealth has been handed over to me, and I can give it to anyone I choose. He was talking to Jesus, and he was tempting him to fall for his trick, for that temptation. But Jesus responded, and he said, get behind me, Satan, get behind me. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And so Jesus had to go through that temptation before he got over here into Luke 4, verse number 18 that we're going to read about shortly. But Jesus uh, returned in the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee. He had been in Capernaum, and there in Capernaum, he had been doing all kinds of miracles, signs, and wonders. He got into Galilee. He came into his hometown in Nazareth. And you know that we've read there before that Jesus could not do the mighty miracles that he did in the other places because in his hometown, all they could do is see him as Joseph and Mary's son. They could not see him for the miracles and the signs and the wonders that he did because he did not do that in the power of Joseph. He did not do that in the power of Mary. He did that in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how it happened. Amen. Well, Jesus was in the temple. And I want us to read in uh, verse number... Let's see, um, 16. And he came to Nazareth, his hometown, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And we saw how that someone you know, that was a leader in the synagogue, and they would stand up, and, and they would read Scripture. And then they would give uh, the scroll to someone else, and they would stand up to read. Well, they handed it to Jesus. Now, it says book, but it was a scroll that was handed to Jesus. Uh, you know, it wasn't a Bible like we have today, like this, but it, it was a scroll. Jesus was familiar with that scroll. Many of you, you're familiar with your Bible, and you know where things are in your Bible. He knew where things were in that scroll. And inside the scroll, he found Isaiah 61 that, uh, that talks about what Jesus did here in Luke 4. And it's a great read, and we might turn over there in a few minutes, but for right now, we're not going to. But Jesus took that scroll, and he stood up 
to read. Now they would sit down after they read the scripture and they might talk and you know, have a discourse, but they would stand up to read. So Jesus did that, and Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed it. He let the scroll roll up. But that was his words. I want us to look at that this morning. I want us to uh, just pull it apart a little bit, and I want us to look at what Jesus did for us. Amen? Luke uh, 4 and 18 again, it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is talking about the Spirit of God was upon Jesus. He was not a normal person. And everyone that was around him knew that he had a special anointing upon his life. And this anointing that God gave to him... now. It, it was, again, this authority and this ability that God had, been give, had given to him that he could preach. And he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. It's very enlightening here because what we want to do for the poor, we want to go and we want to buy them groceries and we want to go and we want to get them clothes and, and take care of the humanitarian side. Is there anything wrong with that? Of course not. But if you do that and you do not preach the gospel to the poor, you allow them to remain in the poverty. The United States of America, we need to learn this. They're whole religious organizations. And that's what they have forgotten to preach the gospel. And they go out and they dig a well. Is digging a well good? Obviously. The people have no clean drinking water. We need to help them. But I'm telling you, you can't go without the gospel. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the glad tidings. You don't have to be poor anymore. And not only that, I'm going to give you a way and a means to discover, to find out how to get out of poverty. Now, poor is not just finances. It is that. It is just poor, needy people. That's for sure. But it's poor and needy in spirit. And I tell you, God is looking for people who will humble themselves before Him that are not haughty and high-minded, but they submit themselves to God and submit themselves to the Word of God, and they're going to find the true riches of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, when Jesus comes into your house and He moves into your temple, He does not leave you the way that you were. He changes you. You go from glory to glory. You grow from one level to the other. You do not remain the same. If you remain the same, I'm going to tell you, ask yourself a question. 
Have you come to the fountain? Have you been dipped in the fountain of His blood to be cleansed, to receive eternal life? You have to ask yourself that because if you remain the same, there's a problem. We need to be more Jesus-like in a year from now than we are today. And if we're not, we have to look at ourselves. God wants us to grow, doesn't He? But Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. This church, we are anointed by God to follow Jesus' example, to be an imitator of Jesus, and we're to preach the gospel to the poor and needy. In this church, we receive all the time people, I need this, I need you to pay that, I need you to do this, I need you to do that. And you know what? They need to get their rear ends in the house of God they need to get in church somewhere and God can do something for them. We can help you. We can pay a KUB or do something. But that's not going to eliminate the problem. Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. You don't have to be poor anymore. Spiritually bankrupt. You don't have to be. In need all the time. You don't have to be. Because Jesus brought good news to us. That's too good to be true. This is the gospel. Why he did it for us, I don't know. But he did, and I'm so glad he did, aren't you? But he came that he could preach the gospel to the poor, those that are needy, those that are beggarly. And so when we minister to the poor, whether it be, you know, those that are in true poverty, we need to couple that with the Word of God, with those who are floundering around in life and they can't find their way. They are spiritually poor. They are spiritually needy. And we can preach the gospel that Jesus wants to help you. He wants to bring you up out of poverty, spiritual poverty. He wants to bring you up out of financial poverty. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. And so the cure for poverty is to preach God's Word. Well, that's too simple. Isn't that the truth? It is a simple truth, but it's not simply done. That's for sure. We do everything in the world to avoid that. God gives the poor hope and He assures them of His love and acceptance. This word was given to people who were in need and Jesus wanted to help those in need. Amen? The Lord will supply our need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It all comes through and by Christ Jesus. Whatever we receive comes through and by Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus said, I am sent to heal the brokenhearted. That's who uh, people who've been emotionally crushed by the circumstances of life. 
There are people in this room today, they've been emotionally crushed by the circumstances of life. There's people that you're going to encounter tomorrow, and they've been emotionally crushed through the circumstances of life. There's people in your family that have been emotionally crushed through the circumstances of life. And Jesus said, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. You have a broken heart this morning? There's healing power. There's the balm of Gilead that is going forth in the earth today to bring healing. Now, I want to say this. If you get over into Isaiah 61, and it says what we just read here in Luke 4, but there's something significant that we need to notice that Jesus did not say here. Jesus said, it's the acceptable year of the Lord, and he closed the book, and he stopped. But do you know what it says in Isaiah 61? To proclaim the day of vengeance. Why didn't Jesus say that? Why didn't he say that and finish Isaiah 61. Why did he not read that? He didn't read that because he knew that he was talking about and introducing the day of grace. We're in the time of grace. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. It's a jubilee time. Favors abound. Blessing abounds from the Lord during this time, the grace time. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a day when the door closes and grace time is over and it's the day of vengeance. And what does that mean? It's talking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's talking about when people no longer come to the Lord in the way that they do now. The door is open. You remember Noah? You know your Bible stories? Well, if you remember Noah, Noah was building that ark. And then when he got in the ark, what happened? The door was shut. And that was it. One day, now you're listening to me now, and it may be some years from now, but there's going to come a time, we don't know when it is, but the door will be shut. And when the door is shut... There's no more of what I'm talking to you about here. It's a different time. It's a different dispensation. You say, why are you saying that? To scare me? Well, if you don't live like this is the day of grace and God's extending that favor and blessing to you and you're just rejecting it, yep, if it scares you, then so be it. You need to get, you need to get your heart right with Lord. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his heart, if you hear him, do not harden your heart. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Be sensitive, be open, because God is giving us opportunities in this life to receive this grace, this acceptance, this love, this blessing. It's all made available for today. You know, sometimes things happen in life and you get a real jolt and you find out what are the most important things in life and what aren't. 
the important things in life. And it can be a tragedy. It can be something that just kind of knocks the props out from under you, so to speak. And then you really get things in perspective. And it could be a broken-hearted experience that you've had. And you get a real understanding of what the important things in life are and what they are not. So Jesus was sent to heal the broken-hearted, those that have been emotionally crushed and shattered by the circumstances of life. Jesus wants to make us whole. You know, when you hurt so bad, when your heart has been broken so badly, you wonder, how could I ever be whole again? It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes. Now I'm going to tell you. You may be different when tragedies of life happen and you live and you come through that. You may not even be the same person. I can tell you I'm different. I am different. And some of you, you've been through similar things. And you're not the same. But you know what? You cannot live in the valley of weeping and in the valley of hurt and pain. Because Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to heal us. He wants to make us whole. Amen. It's available. You know, I, we can, you know, go through grieving and be burdened and sorrowful or disappointed. I was um, reading about um, a young man. He was a veteran and he'd been serving overseas and in the Middle East. And when he got back, his wife, he found out, had been cheating on him. And she had spent all of his savings. Well, he didn't know what to do. His heart was broken. He didn't know what to do. But there were some people, a family that he was friends with, and they saw what he was going through. He didn't even have a place to live, come back from fighting for our nation. And he didn't have a place to live in this family. It was a husband and wife and three children. And they said, you know what? We know you. You come and stay with us until you can get on your feet and find a place. And so he did. And they just loved him. And it was so good for him to be around you know, that family and those children, you know how kids are. Kids just help you, don't you think? Yeah, those of you that, uh, you know, your grandparents, you know what I'm talking about. You just, it just brings such joy to your heart. So anyway, he was in that situation and these people loved him and helped him and he experienced the healing power of Jesus to touch his broken heart. Can you imagine that?
You know, you go and serve your country, you're fighting, you come home and you're looking forward, you know, to be with the one you love and then they've cheated on you. And not only that, you find out you don't have any finances because they've taken all your money. Now that would, that would bring a broken heart, don't you think? No doubt about it. But there's other situations in life, disappointments. You know, you can have a business, you can, your, your financial situation, you had a dream in your heart and you thought things were going to be a certain way and now, you, you know, it didn't turn out that way. And you can get bitter or you can get better. And you can allow Jesus, the healer, to mend and restore your broken heart. You can lose a loved one and you don't even know how you're going to make it. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Those that have been devastated in life. I've never seen a time where things like that are just happening on every side to so many people. But one thing about it for the Christian... We are not left here to fend for ourselves and make it on our own. Jesus was anointed that he could heal the brokenhearted. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora. Pastor Nora.